3: Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, 1-866-408-7669. You're fresh off a weekend where there's a lot of intense things going on around the country, around the world, and we'll bring you to them uh, in terms of what you care about most in almost every poll, from NBC to Fox News to Quinnipiac. The things you care about most is inflation. Uh, when the dollars that you have don't buy the things that it used to, that matters. The administration hasn't done much on, on this. Now they say they'll address it. Kevin Hassett has addressed it, senior advisor. A national review capital matters, former chairman of the President's Council on Economic Advisors, came back twice to help President Trump and says he will come back again. But first things first, he's going to be with us, so let's get to the big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three.
1: We haven't gotten back to normal, and it's ridiculous at this point. And you will realize, most importantly, that this is going to be remembered by the younger generation as a catastrophic moral crime.
3: Yes, Barry Weiss, 100% on HBO. Former New York Times editor, now uh, uh, writing for Substack. Uh, on the Bill Maher show, almost over, as predicted. Omicron is not uh, just uh, uh, is not almost over, but starting to get old and be phased out. And please take all out all your mandates, and with you the protests. Uh, they're beginning to rise up across the country and around the world because people are tired of being told what they should put in their body and what they should wear on their face.
4: Number
5: two, we've been very clear that if there is any uh, further uh, Russian uh, aggression in terms of sending Russian forces uh, into Ukraine, there will be a swift, there will be a severe and there will be a united response from the United States and Europe.
3: Wow, does that sound tough? Total waste of time. Secretary of State Blinken talking uh, over the weekend. Now he's acting. But is it too late? President Biden is looking at stronger measures to deter and avoid a massive invasion of the Ukraine. The measures he's contemplating, the measures he's taking and what our enemies are learning about America's resolve.
4: Number
6: one. I'm going to roll out a real plan this week. Um, we're going to go after the underlying reasons you're seeing crime in our city. Uh, this is a sea of crime that's being fed by many rivers. We have to stop the flow of guns. Guns? Yeah, be nice. But you have the strictest gun laws
3: in the country. He was supposed to change things. He has not. Mayor Eric Alex blaming guns and career criminals and a violent, deranged homeless subculture for the rise of death and deterioration in New York City. The latter is what I think. Guns is what he thinks. Saturday, two cops shot, uh, one clinging to life but just barely. The other murdered. One was uh, somebody who's moved to uh, NYU uh, Langone. This has to stop. It's spreading across every major city. Since Eric Adams took over, five cops have been shot. Hardly the guy who's going to cramp down on law and order. No one fears him. And he has got to be feared. There's got to be a fear. If you commit a crime, you shoot kill a cop. That's it. You go into prison for life. You're done. Or you get the death penalty. Because there was a cop killed in Texas on a, a 47-year-old in Texas, in Harris County, just on a normal, routine Pull over, the guy shot him, dead. Okay? Working overnights. Now you know why sometimes you say, why are the cops so hostile when they walk up to these cars? Why? Because they know one move, it's all over. So what blows me away is that Mayor Eric Adams says, I'm going to come up with a plan, I'm going to announce it this week. You ran for office, you were a captain, you were a borough president,
6: then you win the job, you have that gap, and now you're going to come up with a plan as if crime was just going to disappear? Cut three. I'm going to roll out a real plan this week. Um, we're going to go after the underlying reasons you're seeing crime in our city. Uh, this is a sea of crime that's being fed by many rivers. We have to stop the flow of guns. We are removing thousands of guns off our streets. And it appears as though for every gun we remove from the street, five are coming in. Immediately, we're going to reinstitute a newer version of in plain plainclothes, modified plainclothes uh, anti-gun unit. I talked about this on the campaign trail. Our team has done the proper analysis And now we're going to deploy that But
3: as people have told me uh, the Cops have told me Why would I do that I don't get any more money It's even more dangerous I'm wearing a body cam And uh, if I do one thing That somebody doesn't like As a plainclothes member You know the Donnie Brosco When you go inside some of these gangs And whatever it takes Or walk these neighborhoods They're going to play back that tape Why haven't we seen the tape Of these two cops being killed Why don't people see that but we see every George Floyd-like video that makes cops look bad justifiably done in that case. Meanwhile, crime in New York City, subway system, 461 felony assaults, eight homicides. In case you think carjacking is a thing of the past, you're going to believe some of these numbers. In New York City, 328 uh, in 2020. How about 510 in 2021? In Chicago, 1,413. 1849 the next year. Philadelphia went up from 565 to, 570, uh, to uh, 757. It's hideous. Washington, 360 to 426, New Orleans, 278 to 288. This big car jacket thing, can't get any used cars? Why, why even bother? Just steal one. So this crime is out of control, and they're blaming guns. How about stop, question, and frisk? How about that? How about you starting enforcing on every small rule infraction and get corrections bulked up to take care of this? What you tried to do with the no cash bail, I understand it. So if you were in for any of these arrests and they set a bail, if you were somebody in working class that didn't have much money, you would not be able to get out and somebody else who middle or upper class could. So you've totally overcompensated. You made it zero cash bail. So somebody, I think it was in Detroit, Burns' his girlfriend, 60% of his body was out on $5,000 bail. Here's Governor Kathy Hochul. This woman's clueless. Cut four.
4: Our hearts and prayers are with the families and the members of the NYPD, but also it's a resounding call to action to say those in Washington who will not heed the call, whether it was the children of Sandy Hook who were slaughtered in their classroom and continue up to this day, we have to do more to fight the scourge of illegal guns on our streets. Unbelievable. I mean, do you
3: believe this? This guy has been committing crimes since 1998. This was Sean McNeil. Uh, His mom called in because she was afraid for her own life, and they asked her over the phone, does he have any guns? She said no, and they walk in. This this guy shoots two cops. The third one got him, but do you know that this cop, after shooting the cops, went in in for the execution? I have a pretty good source that just told me that Uh, The cop is not going to survive, the second one. Do you believe this? So we'll talk about crime and no punishment, and the hope that I thought for New York is not coming. So now in uh, talk about help, Ukrainians getting some help now. We understand that they are getting some uh, $200 million worth of weapons have begun to arise on their shores. We understand that uh, from neighboring uh, areas of Poland, of uh, of the some of the Baltic states, Lithuania, they're able to repurpose some of the arms that they got from us, and are going to send them over to the Ukrainians, uh, who are getting trained by the Poles, by us, by the uh, by the Brits, who are standing up strong with us, unlike the EU and Germans, who are caving. Unbelievable. We have we grew up in an era of weak Germans when we need them strong. But Russia is dismissing a British claim that Moscow is looking to replace the Ukrainian government with a pro-Russian officials. That is one of the things they think they could do. They had a pro-Russian official there. He was voted out of office and thrown out. He had to run for his life. It is so important for this administration to show strength. I don't care about elections when it comes to international relations, when it comes to our defense. And for those who say, wow, you just want to go to war. No, if you show strength and you show resolve, you don't go to war. When you show weakness and you let a bully like Vladimir Putin do what he wants to do, then all of a sudden you find yourself back into a corner and then war ensues. And if it's like World War II, World War I, and even uh, Korea, you, uh, you see that we are not ready to do battle. And we have a huge ramp up time. We get huge casualties because of this. We have 150 U.S. military advisors in the Ukraine. The Ukraine uh, also was able to get uh, – they, uh, they evidently were able to get a lot of, uh, a lot of input, we understand, from the um, – they got a lot of input from other military experts who they're Zooming with. They have $650 million in security systems that just came from us. So they do have some anti-tank missiles that are coming in, and I believe some missile defense that are coming in. But my sense is if the Russians have 120,000 troops – What would actually stop them? Now, one of the things uh, that would be able to stop them, I believe, is doing something that they don't want. They said, we're tired of the military presence on our surrounding areas. The former Warsaw Pact countries are the ones that were actually part of the Soviet Union. And instead of doing that, uh, President Biden is going to. We believe uh, is considering and it looks like Jennifer Griffin says it's, it's got, it likely that we're going to put thousands of troops into Poland, into Lithuania and some surrounding countries do the exact opposite of what they want. What I also thought was interesting is, is this other plan. And be patient with me. The Washington Post has a lead story and the Biden administration is threatening to use a novel export control to damage strategic Russian industries from artificial intelligence and quantum computing to civilian airspace. The administration will decide whether they're going to do this or not. Remember, they did this to Huawei, and they they lost money and brought that company to its knees. So what they're saying is, uh, for the uh, first—they had their first annual drop. Uh, This would be attractive because there are certain semiconductor chips that we make that nobody else gets— that we have to they have to pass through our shores, we could deny them things for uh quantum computing, uh things for their uh their communications, electronic communications, their semiconductors, which we have. So would we do that immediately and they start feeling when they virtual reality and all their other drills? Should we do what Michael McCall says? And should we and should we start drilling? Should we start drilling with the Poles and with other Eastern European nations to show we're willing to coordinate some type of attack? Here's what McCall said yesterday on Face the Nation. Cut nine.
7: What's also important is the message of deterrence. We need joint exercises in Poland, the Baltic states, Romania, Bulgaria, to show Putin that we're serious. Right now, he doesn't see we're serious, and that's why the buildup is taking place. I think this all started, Margaret, with Afghanistan and the unconditional surrender to the Taliban. When he saw weakness, weakness invites aggression. We saw that with Chamberlain and Hitler.
3: So a lot of you listening now and say, wow, you want another war? You want Iraq? No, no, it's not a matter of what The world has a say in what we do. And what happens is there are certain obligations that we have. For the Russians to reaffirm influence in that area, with Vladimir Putin, the smart but devious leader of that country— who's got the economy the size of Italy's but acts like it's got an economy the size of ours in China, they have to know there's hell to pay. And evidently, if this guy has a weakness, uh, besides not having a soul, uh, he has a weakness, he is not risk adverse to the point where he is reckless. So let's make him pay the price. Let the Ukrainians fight for their own sovereignty. Give them the weapons they need, the strategy that they deserve— Give them some armed drones. Let them fight back. they i did not know this. They've left. They've lost thirteen thousand soldiers since the incursion of 2014, when they took over in the Donbas region and took Crimea, a kind of a resort town. Here's what David Sanger said on this week with George Stephanopoulos, I had Martha Radis there uh, about what do you think Vladimir Putin will do? Cut 14.
8: What do we think the Russians are doing here? And I think the answer is pretty simple, that Putin really does see this as the moment to extend the sphere of influence that Russia has, back to something more approaching what the Soviet Union had, but certainly prior to 1997, when NATO began to expand. And he sees Ukraine as the right target, because it's not a NATO member. And he knows one thing. The United States and NATO are not going to put its own military forces into this fight. So then it becomes a question of whether he thinks he really can tolerate the sanctions that the U.S. is threatening, that Europe is threatening, whether he can uh, get through all of the international condemnation. And basically what you are seeing happen right now is the U.S. in a giant mind game with Putin in which they're saying, yes, you could run through Ukraine, but the cost will be so high that it will destabilize you at home.
3: And David Sanger is really, uh, really tight with different governments and certainly with the military and with the State Department. And no matter who's president, he's got these incredible contacts. So even though New York Times, a lot of you roll your eyes, not with David Sanger, he knows his stuff. Even though I don't agree with him on some of it, his facts, what, what his sources are, are great. I know that. Uh, listen, Kevin Hass at the bottom of the hour. We'll talk about the economy. But next is you. one 408 7669 A lot of you are saying to yourself, like Tucker, and, I, and there's nobody who respects Tucker more than me. Tucker wants no part of this. I don't believe this is a grand uh, design by the defense, uh, defense contracting complex to get us into a war. I don't. I see an absolute need to stand up and be strong. And a catastrophe if we don't. You listen to the Brian Kill Me show. So glad you're here. And I'll be on out number at 12. And of course, on Saturday, beginning this Saturday, 8 o'clock, I will have uh, my first solo show on prime time on Saturday. And I hope you all join me then. I've just gotten word we have one name. We picked a name already, uh, just now, in fact. And I'll share it with you when Eric and Pete say it's okay. And Allison has no say because she's not here, although she's on speakerphone. Kind of like Charlie's Angels. Remember Charlie's Angels? Like, we never met Charlie, but he really controlled the angels. And he really controlled the plot points.
0: Who was it? Do we know? I don't know, but I think what you're trying to say about, it's only the guys that can come up with the name, not not the ladies. (laughs) No, it's a woman that told me. They were the finalists. But no, then it's only the guys that can make the decision on announcing it on the air. Right.
3: Although most of the decision makers in this company are women, and I think we're a better company because of it. And how smart am I to say that? Very smart. Smarter than you can believe.
9: Back in a moment.
2: Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian
10: Kilmeade. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie. Formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services. Marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering... So why stress over home projects when you could turn to Angie from finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience? Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services, a talk show. That's
2: real. This is the Brian Kilmeade show.
6: To partner with our police personnel and mental health prof- professionals to be more proactive and not just reactive. We should not wait for someone to carry out a dangerous action when we know they are on this station in the first place. Immediately when you see a dangerous person there, mental health pr- professionals will be deployed and that person will receive the proper care and removed from our subway system. Good luck. You
3: have a medical professional. It's hard enough getting cops. Now we're going to travel with therapists? Hey, uh, that guy with no teeth, threatening with his corduroy jacket, uh, threatening to throw you on the tracks. I think he needs 45 minutes of, I guess, um, positive thinking uh, analysis or maybe some shock therapy. Uh, I I just can't believe a former cop is still thinking about we're going to get a mental health professional out there with cops in the subway. Steve in Tampa. Hey, Steve.
11: Brian, good morning. How are you doing?
3: How do you think this is going to work with mental health professionals working alongside men and women in blue?
11: Will never happen. Absolutely will never happen. Why would
3: he say it then, Steve? Why would he say it? He's a captain. He
11: pencil pusher okay he was an activist before he was a cop Uh, I believe the NYPD probably gave him a job only because of the fact that they wanted to shut him up or or whatever he was whatever problems he was causing within the current administration at the time I'm a retired NYPD officer of over 20 years experience I've worked undercover I've I've worked in plainclothes crime units Um, whatever he's looking to implement it will never happen under his administration the cops will be fired immensely every time they take action. People do not understand the structure of the NYPD. They don't understand how it's put together. The NYPD has more oversight units in it, watching the cops every move than any other agency in the world. We have more IA implementation and more street supervision than anything that's out there in in any current uh, police agency that exists. These cops are under a microscope. They're even more under a microscope now. Just the CCRB alone could have a cop fired for a minor infraction. And that's like yelling at somebody. So, how are they going to get guns off the street, tossing people every night of the week, trying to get crime under control, when an administration as hostile as his is going to be overwatching their every move?
3: Steve, great points from a real guy that really worked the job. I really appreciate it. Uh, I want to hear from a lot of police officers. You have a safe haven here.
2: A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade.
7: The inflation has everything to do with the supply chain. And uh, I think what you're seeing is that we've been able to make progress on speeding up the access to materials. The single best way to take the burden off middle class and working class folks is to pass the bill back better piece that are things that they're paying a lot of money for now?
3: right. I've always said the best thing to do when in doubt is spend two trillion dollars. I mean that that that's like economics one on one. So that was what Joe Biden said. And I said to myself, I wonder what Kevin Hassett would have said if he was senior advisor to Joe Biden when that was part of the speech that he had to review. Uh, Kevin, senior advisor, National Review, Capital Matters. People remember you as the chairman of the President's Council of Economic Advisors. You came back for two stints. Uh, welcome back. What do you think about the President's remedy to, to solve inflation?
12: Yeah, they don't have a plan at all to solve inflation. And I think the thing, you know, you're so good at finding clips. The thing that I would do is go back and get some clips for when they were uh, debating the $2 trillion dollars. Because Janet Yellen, for example, said we need to go big because inflation's not a risk. And if inflation did start to get out of control, then the Federal Reserve would have the tools necessary to get it back under control quickly. And of course, that's proven dead wrong. And they're pursuing even more spending after making that mistake. And so I'm very disappointed in the advice that the president's getting, if he's listening to advice at all. And it's leading us into a path that Americans recognize, you know, around the country is very negative. And inflation is now at. The highest level it's been over the last three months since the 1970s. And, you know, people go to the pump and then they go to the grocery store. They don't have any money left. And that's why uh, consumer sentiment right now is getting to be about as low as it's been since the 70s. As was, well.
3: was it hard getting President Trump to focus on the economy?
12: Oh, no, no. Yeah. You know, he, he just loved uh, having the, the economic team come into the Oval and show him the charts of the week. And, and you know, I, I did that all the time. And you might recall that I even did the White House press conferences quite a bit. And, and it was like a classic Donald Trump thing that, you know, you would think, okay, if I got to do the White House press conference, then I need to prepare for a really long time. But what would happen would be I'd go into the Oval, show him like how the economy's doing. And it was always great news about African-American unemployment, you know, income inequality going down, wage growth higher in one year than in eight years under Obama. And then he'd say, okay, go do the press conference. <laughs> and literally, I'd have to like walk over to the press room an hour later and do the press conference. But yeah, he, he was getting economic briefings literally every day. You know, and at the, end of the day, Larry Kudlow and I very often would walk out to the Oval and just sort of hang out and catch up with him about what was going on. Because
3: he loves it. Like, I, mean, he really liked- I mean, that's the stuff he loved. Every president has a specialty. I mean, George H.W. famously was uh, was focused on, on love international relations. Never really liked talking about the economy. It's, it's not his thing. John McCain, same way. Give me foreign policy. I'm not interested in the economy. When you got Trump, you got someone zeroed in on the economy who would ask tough questions, uh, and, and for a guy like you, you probably loved it because you're getting the attention when the American people were asked, what is their number one issue? Replacing COVID is now the economy and jobs. They have a, and by the way, Republicans now have a 33 point advantage driven, uh, uh, uh also by independence as well on people who are, who, who are, say, I trust what party with the economy Republicans now have a 33 point advantage. So yeah, I just think at the very right, least should. focus on it.
12: <laughs> they they should in, in fact like there's so many stats but you know under President Trump's policies pre-COVID 4 million people were lifted out of poverty because he recognizes that you know being friendly to business is how you create jobs. Seven million people were taken off of food stamps. But he was tough on his economic team. You know, I'll tell you, the very first time I briefed him, I showed him some charts about, like, real estate prices. He said, these data are all wrong. I can't believe you showed me a chart with data that just don't capture what's going on in real estate. I know real estate better than anybody, and you're just showing me flawed data. You know, get out of here. Uh, and, And I said, nope, nope, the data are right. And then he's like, okay, but but what he would do is he would test everybody. And <laughs> if they're not willing to defend themselves that he doesn't want to talk to them. But you know, he's a tough guy, a tough boss. Right. But he got results. He got results.
3: So so right now Larry Summers said the thing that really fueled inflation more than anything else was the thing that is actually been trumpeted by the administration, and that is that rescue plan, the one point nine trillion. After we already gave and you after you guys gave eight hundred billion into economy on the transition after President Trump lost and he was getting Joe Biden said to take over. You also passed 800 billion in between that, and then he gets 1.9 trillion. He says that th- that money into the system was totally unnecessary and hurt, fueled inflation.
12: Yeah, and, and it's an untold story. Larry's right about that, and it's an untold story that what we did. Uh, you remember you mentioned I went back in when the COVID emergency started. The president asked me to come back into the West Wing to help them design the economic plans. And what we did is we had an agreement with Ron Wyden and with the Democrats that nobody really understood how bad the COVID thing was gonna be, you know, back then in February and March. And so what we would do is we would do uh, stimulus bills like two or three months at a time. And you go back and look, we did five of them spread out throughout the year, a little bit at a time, you know, with bipartisan support, unanimous consent of the Senate. You know, the president worked, even though, you know, the Democrats hated him and impeached him, he worked closely with them to right-size the stimulus. And so for the year, after the biggest decline in the second quarter since the Great Depression, the economy was about flat for the year because we had right-sized the stimulus by going a little bit at a time. And then what does Joe Biden do? He comes in on a strictly partisan vote and passes this massive stimulus as if he knows exactly what the future holds for COVID. And so that irresponsible uh, abandonment of the bipartisan path of stimulus is what got us to where we are right now. And it's just so ironic that Joe Biden said he was going to bring us all together and bring Back the days where we're you know bipartisan, and, and and instead he just goes 100% partisan, and actually violates an agreement that was made between Democrats and Republicans a year before to make sure that the stimulus was right sized. So, so history is not going to look well on that. Well,
3: uh, let's take a look at what oh. the uh, the toll amicron is taking. You know, they say less severe but easier to spread. It really was a surprise. It was a variant that started in South Africa that certainly is here, but it's beginning to diminish. It's going to fall quickly if the U.K. is and South Africa are something to learn from, and I, th- I believe it is. But you know what is also paying the price now? China. Now, I love when China's down, but does the world economy, how does the world economy pay the price when China is down? And I'm looking at The Wall Street Journal, Forbes, The Times of India. They all have – uh, China turning down in 2022. What does that mean for
7: us?
12: It, it's basically good news for us in the sense that we need to to kind of divorce our economies uh, from China. You know, when, when we were in the White House, we documented, I did a report at the CEA, that they were stealing literally trillions of dollars of our intellectual property every year. And so what happens is American businesses would go do business with China, and then China would steal them blind and then fund a competitor put them out of business and you know like one of the places this happened was in solar panels you know all the solar panels on earth are made in China now and the companies in the US that used to make them just had all of their patents stolen by the Chinese and so we need to get our uh, production on shore we need to you know get as little trade as possible with China and the rest of the world needs to do that too. Because they're a nation that's really you know, got dark designs on the world economy. They're abusing Uyghurs in their own country. And it's time for us all to stop. No, doing but this. Kevin,
3: I hear you. But since they do make so much of our stuff, uh, a lot of times it will affect prices here, correct? And, and if they can't ship anything out because they can't handle the pandemic, then uh, we have a supply chain issue. Those ty- in, in layman's terms, we will feel it, correct? Even if in the long term yeah. it helps us, we will feel it now.
12: We, we will, but one of the things that you're seeing is that people are moving production back uh, into this hemisphere. Uh, there's sort of a boom in new capacity uh, throughout, you know, in the western United States, in Mexico, in Canada. I think people are smartening up, but, but, you know, the reason why prices are so high right now is not China. It's Joe Biden. You know, they, they passed this massive, massive stimulus, but don't forget they also uh, cut the heck out of supply, And so, you know, right now, oil production is about a million and a half barrels a day below where it was uh, pre-COVID. You know, it's because Biden's out there, you know, stopping exploration on public lands, shutting down pipelines. And if you're wondering why gas is so, so expensive and heating oil is so expensive, it's because that's their plan to save us from climate change. And so what's energy prices? Energy prices go into everything. Right. right, like so. So you go back and look when inflation has taken off. It's because the price of energy goes up, and then you know energy is how you make everything, and yeah. so the price of everything goes up. And if and if we had you know oil at forty dollars a barrel instead of it's probably about to be ninety today, uh, then we wouldn't have an inflation problem like we have. And the Russians it's love it a little it. bit bigger. And yeah, the Russians
3: Russia. love it. hundred dollars that that is their economy. Oil, uh, Kevin. Real quick question. I know you're not an energy guy, but you're an economic guy. What happened to LNG production that was supposed to help Europe? there were supposed to be mm-hmm. uh we were supposed to be advancing technology to to be able to uh to sell that to our to people at a a, a a certainly a reliable rate but soon a a good rate that would stop any need for the keystone pipeline excuse me for the uh Stream 2 pipeline
12: <laughs> yeah yeah, you know, I worked on a team uh, in President Trump's White House where we went over and negotiated the construction of LNG facilities over in Europe so that they could become dependent on U.S. energy production, especially there is an offshore one uh, in Poland that we were working very hard on. But the fact is that Biden's crackdown on U.S. energy production has slowed that down and made Europe more dependent on Russia. The other thing is that the Europeans invested heavily in windmills and so on, and, and there's just not much wind this year. Uh, and so they've got an incredible energy shortage, and they're actually going back to relying heavily on coal because the uh, windmills aren't working, and they got to find their power source.
10: Shocker! We've
3: been saying that from from 1973. Uh, finally, um, if I want you to hear Elise uh, Slotnick, Alyssa Slotnick, uh, Democrat from Michigan, on uh, Meet the Press, and she is basically off the Biden train because she doesn't feel as though they are saying anything that relates to the people that elected her. Cut twenty-eight.
11: People don't wake
13: up in my district like real political people. They're not, you know, here in Washington. They're probably, you know, not watching this show right now. They're waking up and they're talking about the price of groceries, yep. the price of gas. They're talking about crime, right, and, and concerns about security. They're talking about whether their kids are going to be able to stay in school. Um, those are the things that, are, that people are talking about. And I think that's, in my mind, what the White House should be laser focused on.
3: But they're not. And is she right?
12: Yes, she is right. And that's why Biden's approval is as low as it is. I mean, the fact is that the strategy of the Democrats is to divide us, to make us hate each other, and then, you know, to hope that that anger gets people out to the polls. But they do it with really, really stupid arguments. You know, one of the things they're saying right now is that if we don't pass this voting reform, then the next election is going to be illegitimate. But let me tell you, the last election, we didn't have that voting reform. So therefore, are they saying that the one they just won is illegitimate? <laughs> I mean, like, follow the logic of what they're saying. And there is done. They're just being goofy and, and stupid. And it, it, it's trying to divide us because they've got nothing else to do. They're trying to distract us from inflation and everything else, Afghanistan, you know, Russia potentially going into Ukraine. All of that stuff is a distraction. Uh, all of the the voting rights stuff is is a distraction to try to divide us and make us not notice how terrible the policies are. Can you give me
10: two
3: things that you would do to to affect inflation?
12: Uh huh. Sure. The first thing I would do is I, I would rapidly expand pipelines and exploration for energy in the U.S. So the second thing I would do is I'd make all of the uh, Trump tax cuts, which are set to expire permanent, so that people know, okay, well I better increase supply, I better, better build more factories. I don't have to worry about tax hikes coming in and slamming my door shut uh, as soon as I get the factory up and running.
3: So right now they'll expire when?
12: Well, it depends on which one, but some of them are starting to expire uh, this year, even the expensing. Um, and, and so it's actually urgent that Congress act to extend the Trump tax cuts because they will expire on their own if they're not extended.
3: Right. Uh, not this Congress. Uh, maybe the next one. Uh, we'll see.
12: Maybe the next one.
3: Kevin Hassett, always great to get your advice.
12: Yeah, it's great to talk to you again.
3: Kevin Hassett, uh, when we come back, your turn, one 408 We're talking about the imminent Russian invasion, it seems, of the Ukraine. We're also got the situation with crime, uh, what you're dealing with now. As Omicron recedes and we go back to work, guess what's waiting for us? An angry, mentally ill, homeless, belligerent homeless population and a, uh, a defamed and defunded police force. No matter, almost no matter what city you're in, you'll feel it. Unless we get behind them and we put a stop to that you listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Your call's next.
2: Expanding your knowledge base. It's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. They're trying to feel good about themselves. It's not easy. They made a video, did you see this, with Tom Hanks narrating? Where Tom Hanks says, we are strong, we are
3: courageous, we are resilient, and this is the land of the brave. Now, put that diaper back on your face and go hide inside, <laughs> yeah, Bill Maher's is pretty amazing over the weekend. Look, I, you know, I, we're never going to agree. He's not going to uh, he's not going to agree with me. I'm not going to agree with him, but I agree with him one hundred percent when it comes to this pandemic. And I I agree, too, that he says that Democrats have been so, so extreme with his cancel culture that he says they have become the stock. He said that really plays into why Greg Gutfeld's show works or any show works on Fox. He's for the longest time. Democrats really weren't doing crazy stuff, but now they are doing stuff that's uh, comedy friendly. So here's an example. I want you to something I retweeted over the weekend. Barry Weiss is a writer, podcaster, and she writes for Substack. She uh, got fired from the New York Times. Uh, She wasn't left-wing enough. Here's her saying exactly, I think, what I've been saying over the course of two years. And she is someone who... Well, listen to her. Cut 22.
1: We were told, you get the vaccine. You get the vaccine and you get back to normal. And we haven't gotten back to normal. And it's ridiculous at this point. If you believe the science... You will look at the data that we did not have two years ago, and you will find out that cloth masks do not do anything. You will realize that you can show your vaccine passport at a restaurant and still be asymptomatic and carrying Omicron. And you will realize, most importantly, that this is going to be remembered by the younger generation as a catastrophic moral crime.
3: No kidding. Uh, Amen. Exactly. Unbelievable. I don't know. There's nothing I can add to that, except for the fact that she's coming from the left. Not the not the the squad left, but from the left. And so is Bill Moore. When is everyone else, like Howard Stern and those people like that, going to wake up? Steve, listen to WRC on Long Island. Hey, Steve. Hey,
14: Brian. Two things quickly. One. Biden last Wednesday defined uh, what a minor incursion is, and that is Russia coming in, taking Crimea, and there was no response whatsoever. And the second thing is Eric Adams, as mayor of New York, saying there's five illegal guns for every one recovered. He's making that up out of thin air. He's only been in three weeks, and he doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, I tell you what, he's
3: got a very short window to prove that he's competent. So far, we're watching circumstances, nothing that he necessarily said or did that caused this crime. But it is so horrific when the 40-year-old gets tossed on the train, when somebody else gets executed, when you see somebody get thrown in the tracks on Sunday afternoon at 1130. Thankfully, no train was coming at the same time. And then you see these two cops killed. uh, And you see uh, the DA come out and say what he said about not prosecuting things like resisting arrest. That results in no jail time. Uh, That, to me, uh, that, to me, shows somebody that is not stepping up and thinking he's got a big honeymoon uh, period. He does not have a honeymoon period. Uh, Earth to Mayor Adams. Your honeymoon's over. And now you're going to announce a plan later on this week. Take your time. How long ago did you win the election? Two months ago? And you think crime is something you're probably just going to come up with sometime next week? But the good news is, I think Omicron is uh, retreating, receiving. I think right now, I think cases, new cases are up 8%. Deaths are up about 40%. They're up just under 2,000. I'm not sure anyone's dying from Omicron. If you don't have underlying conditions, I don't know anybody vaccinated or not vaccinated. that can tell me that they know somebody that has died from it. And I love what the NFL's doing. They have stopped testing. You know, to make sure the superstar quarterback does not test positive, you could either Leave him in a test tube that Michael Jackson doesn't need anymore, a hyperbaric chamber, or you could not test him. I like that idea. Not test unless you're sick. Can we start practicing that everywhere? Love that. Hey, um, I'm going to be on Outnumbered at 12, and don't forget to tune in to uh, my new show Saturday night at 8 o'clock, which now has a name. I just have to talk to my people on when I should announce it.
2: From the Fox News radio studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox & Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade.
3: Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade Joe. proud to come from New York City, heard around the country, heard around the world. Of course, crime-ridden New York City, that's a great way to describe it because it's 100% accurate because of the randomness of these crimes and the severity of of the outcomes, especially what happened over the weekend. Michael Goodwin standing by to talk about it. Uh, Dan Hoffman on the other crisis happening around the globe, uh, Ukraine. He was CIA station chief. He served over in Moscow, Iraq, Pakistan, and South Asia, as well as through various countries in Europe. We have a crisis building with 110,000 troops uh, almost thoroughly surrounding outside the water's edge, thoroughly, thoroughly surrounding the Ukraine. We are rushing arms there. We are looking to get our embassy staff out of there. Will this be a 1945-style, 4039-style invasion uh, on the European Peninsula? Here we go. Without Stalin and Hitler, we got this guy named Vladimir Putin. So let's get to the big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three.
1: We haven't gotten back to normal, and it's ridiculous at this point. And you will realize, most importantly, that this is going to be remembered by the younger generation as a catastrophic moral crime.
3: Uh, that is so true. Barry Weiss of Substack, who has her own podcast, former in the New York Times on HBO. Almost over. As predicted, Omicron went hard and went fast. And it's going to be going quick. You're going to watch these cases drop, and they're doing it in New York, New Jersey, Washington, uh, most of the East Coast, in Florida especially. Midwest will get hit, but then it'll drop because the symptoms are not severe and because the deaths are not high. The hospitalization is certainly taxing, especially uh, for those who are not healthy. But we're going to see that go, and it's time to get on with our lives. Are you with me?
4: Number two.
5: We've been very clear that if there is any uh, further uh, Russian. Uh, Aggression in terms of sending Russian forces uh, into Ukraine, there will be a swift, there will be a severe, and there will be a united response from the United States and Europe.
3: Not buying it. Now he's acting. But is it too late? President Biden's looking at stronger measures to deter and avoid a massive invasion of Ukraine. The measures he's contemplating, the measures he's talking about, what our enemies are saying, and what we're learning about what they are learning, our enemies are learning about, America's resolve.
13: Number one.
6: I'm going to roll out a real plan this week. Um, we're going to go after the underlying reasons you're seeing crime in our city. Uh, this is a sea of crime that's being fed by many rivers. We have to stop the flow of guns. Yeah, right. Uh, he was supposed to change things. He has not. Mayor
3: Eric Adams is blaming guns, not career criminals, and a violent, deranged homeless subculture for the rise of death and deterioration in New York City. Saturday, two cops were shot. One was killed. Another, sadly, is in even more grave condition at this hour this has to stop but instead it's spreading to every major city we're bringing the ugly stats so uh let's bring in michael goodwin michael uh you understand as a new york post columnist who lives in new york has seen it all in new york and around the country and a fox news contributor adams does not have much time to show he's the right man for the job does he realize that
14: uh, good morning, Brian. Uh, I don't know if he realizes that, but but I think it is true that uh, the public patience is worn out. And this uh, this attack on the police officers last week that killed one and, and left uh, one uh, very seriously wounded, critically wounded with a bullet in his brain, as I understand it, um, is, I hope it will be a turning point and a realization on the political class writ large that this cannot continue continue that this leniency um on, on career criminals is what is driving so much of this and, and there's no consequence to crime. That is the most important thing I think that has happened in New York in the last four or five years is that you can you can get away with a whole lot of things now that you couldn't before, and everybody sees this as a license. I mean, this uh, by comparison, the easiest thing to see is what's happened in the West Coast in terms of shoplifting. And, you know, it was okay to take Smash a few you items. Yeah, and then somebody decided, well, gee, I'll just bring a shopping bag and fill it up, and no one's going to arrest me. And then, well, we'll just take the whole store. We'll break the windows. We'll take everything. So there is this as I say in my column, this uh, inadvertent validation of the broken windows theory of policing, that if there's one broken window and nobody fixes it, pretty soon you're going to have a lot of broken windows. And that's what's happened with crime. Small crimes people got away with, bigger crimes they got away with, and now it's more and more gun crimes, more and more violence, more and more antisocial behavior has become acceptable to the political class uh, and to those woke people who think, oh, the poor, the poor souls, they're just misunderstood. No, they're criminals, yeah. and they have to be treated as such. That's what the criminal law, criminal justice system is about, is bringing justice to the victims and to society at
4: large Right, and protecting but LeSean,
3: them. This over the weekend, Lashawn McNeil is a career criminal. The first time he did, committed a serious crime, 1998. He's already attacked a cop. He's done in various states from California to South Carolina and now in New York. His mom calls uh, 911 because she needs some help. And then we have two uh, we have one guy clinging to life in Wilbert Mara and then killed Jason Ramirez, 22 years old. He walks in, and this guy is so unrepentant. Once he shot the cops, he would get shot himself by the third guy, who was relatively new. Once he's out, he went for the execution. There is no fear that anything bad
6: is going to happen. But listen to what Eric Adams says he's going to do. Cut to. To partner with our police personnel and mental health prof- professionals to be more proactive and not just reactive. We should not wait for someone to carry out a dangerous action when we know they are on the station in the first place. Immediately when you see a dangerous person there, mental health pr- professionals will be deployed and that person will receive the proper care and removed from our subway system.
3: Is this guy, is this guy kidding me? Do you think we're going to see men and women in blue with a therapist by their side and a smock? Sir, can you tell me a little bit about your childhood and why you just threw that uh, 61-year-old Wall Streeter onto the tracks? Maybe I can get understanding, stop the next time you might want to do something impulsive like that.
14: Well, Brian, I don't know what Adams is going to do about this. Uh, he has he has talked uh, all through the campaign, which is why I supported him, which is why the New York Post endorsed him, because he was the only candidate in the Democratic field talking about crime and pledging to do something about it. Now, look, it's uh, we're still in the first month of his mayoralty. Uh, I, I believe he has uh, been awakened to the seriousness of this. If he wasn't before, I think he's now uh, understands the gravity of the situation the the widespread problems i mean the the shover on the subway the, the, the mentally ill person on the subway who pushes somebody in front of the train or tries to, is not the same as the guy in Harlem with a gun who is uh, a career criminal. I mean, there are different problems and they take different solutions. Uh, He was speaking there about the subway issue. uh, But I think the the other one, uh, you know, he's talking about getting the federal government to help with the guns and the state and all that's fine. But fundamentally, the issue is the guy who's carrying the gun on the street. That's the problem. It's not where the gun came from at that point. At that point, it is who's got the gun in his pocket and who's using it on the street. That's what's driving up the crime rate. That's what's driving up the murder rate. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of people, at least 300, uh, have been killed in the last two years uh, who, other, who under normal circumstances would not have been just according to the statistics. So there's a real-life issue, a real-life result when people are carrying these guns and killing other people. And those people carrying the guns, uh, if they didn't carry the gun, they wouldn't have committed the murder. They wouldn't be going to prison. So it's really uh, an all hands on deck moment. I, I said in the column, Eric Adams has to be a wartime mayor. He has to look at this as a war. He has called it a battle. It's a battle indeed, but it's a war. It's a war against criminal behavior, and it's, some of which is carried out by the mentally ill. And so it's got to be all parts of the government have to be focused on this. Right. That's his plan. Nothing else matters nearly as much.
3: So defund the police backers in 2020. Now I've gotten mysteriously silent. Like state attorney general, Letitia James, New Yorkers have lost faith in law enforcement. I think that plays a role. What about council member Shahan Hanif? More police won't keep us safe. Uh, And then yesterday, she's heartbroken. January in 2020, in June. Uh, we had our streets have been over policed and black and brown Americans are over criminalized. Really? OK. What about uh, the Councilwoman Christian Richardson Jordan in January of um, uh, in January 22 is. Uh, yeah. January 2nd, 20, January 22nd, excuse me, 2nd of 2022. She just said this. The NYPD is still the biggest gang in New York City. Now, right. you, if the lawmakers feel that way, their policies are going to reflect that because it's a one party rule. And then that's going to ripple right down to the would-be criminal who are being emptied out of Rikers Island. At, At some point, because we know how to fix it, at some point people are either going to leave in mass numbers or they're going to rise up in mass numbers.
14: Well, Brian, I mean, that's why I talked about in my column about Rudy Giuliani in 1993 when he was running for mayor and how he said the ultimate test is do people feel safe? And right now, New Yorkers do not feel safe, and and you hear stories all the time of things that, that that are not newsworthy in and of themselves, but just a sense of fear and dread on the streets and the subways, even yep. even in shopping areas. So there is a lot of fear right now, and. Adams has to address that. Of course, there are these, the prosecutors, the Manhattan DA is a problem. I mean, what his plan to go even more lenient, Uh, you have the city council, you have the state legislature, you have the governor, all these people are responsible for the situation that has been created in New York. Adams is the only one, the only one who campaigned to fix it. Now, he's got the job, and he's got the problems, and so hes I think he's trying to figure out what is the way that's going to work, not just the short-term thing that I can do, but what's the way that's really going to work. So there is an impending crisis and urgency and an emergency, but there's also he's got to figure this out for the long term as well.
3: Uh, Top issues right now facing the country, according to a NBC poll, the economy and jobs and crime, replacing COVID among those, especially among independents. At some point, they're going to realize that the inflation matters and that crime matters. But you don't have anything except expressions uh, expressions of sorrow coming from this White House. When is Joe Biden going to show some courage and take on crime and not worry about uh, and not worry about uh, his left his left wing?
14: You know, Brian, uh, you and I have talked about this before, and I I remain absolutely mystified by the Biden presidency. I don't get it. I don't get what it's about anymore. I mean, it's all this leftist stuff that, uh, A, is not thankfully being passed by Congress, but B, is irrelevant to the daily lives of most Americans. Now, I understand the president is not the mayor. He's got to think, you know, almost in generational terms of moving the country forward. But you can't do that while the country's on fire. And the country's on fire with a lot of issues. And COVID is receding, thankfully. But you have this crime. You have inflation. You have the you have the possibility of of foreign uh, uh, foreign policy problems like with Russia and China and, and Iran. So, what is he fixing? what is he doing that is making life better today i don't see anything and when he finally gets around to the covid stuff it's almost like well behind the curve so it's not clear to me what this white house is doing what do they wake up each day thinking about the country don't they know what what's going on i mean that's what concerns me they seem really out of touch excessively so i mean we, look there's always a there's always a kind of Uh, bottom up, to the White House. I mean, the White House gets the big picture, okay. But how do you get the little picture? How do you get in touch with the granular things that are happening in, in this big country? And the White House doesn't seem to have a clue. I, I feel I feel like they're sitting there reading right. the New York Times and making their policies. I mean, they get gotta. Get, and Biden's plan to get out of Washington is great, but only if he listens. If he just comes to talk and sell these stupid policies he's pushing, it will not help at all. And you will see these polls continue to tank.
3: Important. He said, I'm going to go out to the places where we're going to get uh, Internet over to the rural communities when they're starting to break ground on some of these bridges and tunnels. I said, great. You mean that the infrastructure deal that you announced today will not pass without the other? That's the infrastructure deal you held on to for three months without even allowing a vote? Now you say basically it's our only win and they're trumpeting it when if he actually had a plan, he would know, I got this thing in June, let me pass it, instead of going, well, the left wing's not going to want this because it's not enough. So now that's all he has, and he's trumpeting it, and he wants to go show up at different construction sites. The problem is his presentation's terrible, and he is not good on his feet, and, and that's the issue. And when he comes out and he's always yelling and mad and talking about unions and corn pop, nobody wants to hear it. The thing about Bill, people pointed out, Bill Clinton and Barack Obama had similar numbers, but know what they had as an asset? They were very good communicators. They were personally charismatic. This Joe Biden doesn't have either one of those skills.
14: No, I I agree with you, and uh, his, uh, you know, his thing with the infrastructure bill that he signed it in private. He didn't even have a signing ceremony. Oh, that's good point. He was embarrassed. Because he didn't want to see Republicans and Democrats there. The left doesn't want bipartisanship. The left doesn't want a unified government approach. It wants what it wants only and it wants to destroy those who don't agree with it. And Biden has given them too much oxygen. They have become more powerful under him, but as a result, he has gotten less done. That's that's the result of his presidency is that gotcha. everything is ground to a halt because he has given Bernie Sanders control of the budget.
3: He means fire Ron Klain because he alleged it happen. I thoroughly believe that. Um, and iced out the vice president, who seems totally over her head, and lost all her confidence. And we're and stuck forget with this, Susan Michael. Rice.
14: Don't for, I think Susan Rice is an important player in all this problem.
3: Yep. Uh, everything she touches turns to crap. Uh, listen, when we come—thanks, Michael. Always oh, great oh, it was great to hear from you and read uh, your columns, uh, nypost.com and, of course, foxnews.com. Back in a moment with your calls.
2: Expanding your knowledge base, it's Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
15: We should preface this by saying no one could have anticipated COVID, no matter what the venue is. But the IOC deserves all of the disdain and disgust that comes their way for going back to China yet again. They were in Beijing in 2008. They go to Sochi in 2014. They're shameless about this stuff. Mm -hmm. And so this takes place not only amid COVID, as did the Tokyo Games uh, of a year ago, but the, the restrictions on press freedom and the sense that everyone there is being monitored in some way. We had that feeling in 2008 in Beijing. I think, if anything, it's been ramped up now.
3: And that is Bob Costas. I think he covered 12 Olympics. He's not doing it this time, not with NBC anymore, but it's been their their best sportscaster since he was 30. But just speaking out about the the ridiculous situation we find ourselves in, the IOC gives Beijing the games again. I was not aware of the oppressive nature in which they did the first time around, but now we see with the Holocaust, essentially, and concentration camps being set up with the Uyghurs, with the steamrolling of Hong Kong, with the 39 overflights of Taiwan with their warplanes over the weekend, them saying you're not allowed to speak out, the IOC, the USOC, and China itself, about anything political as athletes... And you got to basically stay in a bubble? No one's allowed to attend? Why the Olympics there?
2: Radio that makes you think. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
5: We've been very clear that if there is any uh, further uh, Russian uh, aggression in terms of sending Russian forces uh, into Ukraine, there will be a swift, there will be a severe, and there will be a united response from the United States and Europe. Second, we've been uh, equally clear that Russia engages in other tactics, short of sending forces into uh, into Ukraine or other countries, hybrid actions, uh, cyber attacks, efforts to bring a government down. And there, too, I'm very confident, based on the many consultations I've had with European allies and partners, that there will be a swift, calibrated, and also uh, united response.
3: Yeah, uh, does anyone buy that, especially after Afghanistan? Um, that is just uh, something It might be a bridge too far. But how does Daniel Hoffman feel? former CIA station chief, about the Secretary of State's comments, who served in Moscow, Iraq, Pakistan, South uh, uh, South Asia, and and most of Europe. Uh, Dan, welcome back. I want you to hear the Secretary of State's words on four different networks yesterday. Uh, I know diplomats have to speak a certain way, but I don't like that. I don't feel the
9: toughness. Do you? Well, the toughness, you have to back it up with concrete measures. You know, President Reagan uh, delivered some tough messages to General Secretary Gorbachev, told him to tear down the wall. But then the president backed that up uh, by countering uh, the Soviet Union worldwide. And with this administration, uh, it's clear that they want to de-escalate. It's clear that they are focused on diplomacy. But what we lack are, are the concrete, tough policy measures. Look at what the Baltics are doing. They issued uh, strong statements condemning Russia, and then they backed it up. Latvia and Lithuania are providing Stinger missiles to Ukraine. Estonia is providing Javelin anti-tank uh, weapons. That's what you want to do. That's the way to deal with Vladimir Putin's Russia. And of course, they should know they're on the border.
3: Yeah, Mike McCall brought up the fact that one of their goals is to begin to weaken the alliance, uh, weaken the alliance, and divide NATO. Cut ten.
7: We're seen as weak right now, but because of President Biden, uh, his his comments about a limited. That a limited invasion was somehow acceptable and that NATO was divided. I think one thing he said was true is that NATO is divided. And that's Putin's goal is to divide and weaken NATO. He's accomplished some of that.
3: Has he? Because I'm looking at a uh, case in point, I think it's Germany. I mean, they had to fire their defense secretary or somebody who had that role because. He he comments is that Putin wants respect and deserves it, and they said, "Well, you know what? Why don't you just resign?" He goes, "Sounds like a good idea." And we know that uh, when asked about sanctioning the Nord Stream two pipeline, here's what their chancellor said: "Well, the Nord Stream two pipeline from Russia to Germany, which is yet to be regulatory approved, he says, sanctioning something that is not yet operational was not a credible threat." On getting off the Swift, uh, mes- uh, the global messaging system, which would should be an option and a tough one, the German foreign minister says. Well, the hardest stick may not always be the best way to deal with such a situation. So I'm not I'm not loving what the Germans are doing.
9: And so first of all, for sure, Vladimir Putin is trying to weaken NATO. That's one of his goals. He's got a number of goals, and NATO has had to clean up some of the president's remarks. Remember, NATO's general secretary Stoltenberg uh, had to say that President Biden's minor incursion comment at that press conference was not a green light uh, for a Russian invasion of of Ukraine. Uh, There are some members of NATO, like the Baltic states we mentioned, Poland, Romania, that are a lot tougher on Russia. Germany did not allow Estonia to ship uh, German-origin weapons to Ukraine. And that's what Russia wants to do. It's what the Soviets always wanted to do, drive a wedge between the United States and one of our most important NATO allies, Germany. It's always been the case. And remember, Vladimir Putin served in East Germany. And he is very well aware of that uh, of that strategy, and that's exactly what he's trying to implement right now.
3: Dan Hoffman with us now. So, Dan, I was reading The Wall Street Journal, and they said they did a psychological profile on Putin from within Moscow. And they said that those days in East Germany, uh, when they wa- he watched everything fall apart before his eyes, he went amongst the protesters against the Russia, the Soviets, the Russians, as they were being converted, back to Russia. And he wanted to get inside and try to convince them by pretending to be one of them— not to invade, not to keep moving on the embassy. And they said, this guy, got, he has no sense of risk and the ramifications. That was the way they profiled him in his 30s. That's pretty much the way he leads, isn't it?
9: Well, I think he does have a sense of, of risk, but it's coldly calculated. So in that case, in, in East Germany, he played the role of low-level translator guy who was walking outside of their embassy to try to calm down the protesters. When, in fact, he's a KGB operative responsible for running very sensitive operations. Um, I think in this case, he's pulling a bit of brinkmanship. He's testing us, uh, but he's doing it in a very coldly calculated way. And right now, he's not losing. He's got 100,000 troops on the border. He's made a lot of unrealistic demands uh, with a timeline that is completely unreasonable and, and, and a false sense of urgency that he's created, a crisis that he's incited. And we, the United States and NATO, are allowing him to dictate the pace of, and the, the framework for, for resolving this. So,
3: so a lot of people.
9: He's, uh, he's making a lot of moves on the chessboard and he's kind of, you know, he hasn't checkmated us, but he's, he's uh, taken a few of our pieces off.
3: So Dan, uh, I am not one of them, but a lot of people, especially in the right, are saying, "Why are we trying to get into another war with Ukraine? Or, I mean, good try to get into another war. What do we care about the Ukrainians? Let them fight it themselves." Do you know how far away that is? Do we? Re- they're not going to be in NATO anyway. What is the big deal? Why, what? What? How do you view it?
9: Well, that that kind of talk sounds a lot to me like what um, the Europeans were saying when when Adolf Hitler was was taking pieces of, of Czech the Czechoslovakia and the claiming that, you know, he should defend Germans everywhere, including the Sudetenland. Czechoslovakia is a faraway place. Why should we defend that? Look, there's a tactical reason to stand up for Ukraine. Uh, if we give Ukraine to Russia, then Russia will own the Black Sea. That will impact Turkey. Uh, it will impact our NATO members on the border, uh, which right now value the fact that Ukraine is a, is a buffer state. Um, and, uh, and that's, that's another tactical reason here. Um, we also have to be concerned about Russia trying to change the borders of Europe uh, with military aggression. They're trying to extort us to do that and And third, uh, as I mentioned this morning on, on Fox and Friends with you, uh, Ukraine and Taiwan are, are on the geopolitical fault lines right now between in an ideological struggle between democracy uh, and authoritarianism and, and if we don't stand up for democracies around the world, then you know, we don't stand up for much of anything at all and our Our adversaries, particularly Iran, Russia, China, North Korea, uh, they will all be emboldened to strike against us. I have no doubt that that's one reason why Putin feels like he can target us uh, in 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 Ukraine right now because of the way we withdrew in such a chaotic fashion, leaving behind a terrorist state in Afghanistan.
3: Uh, I listen. I 100 percent agree with you. They're talking about now uh, sanctions now. And I'm saying to myself, I don't know if you give sanctions now for putting troops in your own country. Follow me? I mean, if we decide to well up troops in Mexico, Mexico, you know, right on in Texas, I don't necessarily think it's, it's sanctionable, but even Chris Coons thinks it is. You know, he took Joe Biden's seat when he became vice president in Delaware. Cut 12.
4: Senator Coons, you sponsored legislation supported by the White House to impose those crippling sanctions if Russia invades. My next guest, Senator Joni Ernst, said sanctions should come now. Why not now?
8: I do think we should take up and pass a bipartisan bill that will show resolve and determination and apply some sanctions now. But the very strongest sanctions, the sorts of sanctions that we use to bring Iran to the table, uh, is something that we should hold out as a uh, deterrent uh, to prevent Putin from taking uh, the last step of invading Ukraine.
3: I mean, I don't know what what pre-sanctions look like. I'm all for a tough stance. I just don't know what pre-sanctions look like.
9: That's that's not the tough stance that you want. First of all, I don't think Iran's a good example. The administration had this policy of longer of and stronger deal with Iran. Where's that at? Uh, sanctions haven't brought Iran to the table. Sanctions have never impacted Vladimir Putin's behavior. Ukraine is an existential threat to Russia, because, not because of any military threat. NATO's a defensive alliance. Uh, but Ukraine wants to build a democracy and be linked up to the West, the European Union, and to NATO, and that's why they're such a great uh, threat to Russia. But sanctions aren't going to change anything. Um, so I think sometimes it's an easy solution for an administration to say, "Well, we did something, we sanctioned them." That's not what you want to do. If you want to, if you want to defend yourself and deter and counter Russia. Take some hard policy measures like sending the right military equipment uh, and make it clear to Russia that Russia incited the crisis, and we are not going to negotiate from that position. We're not going to offer concessions when Vladimir Putin has made the most unrealistic demands and is seeking to extort us. I still haven't heard the president get up on the bully pulpit and speak strongly about Vladimir Putin. For all those who criticize President Trump for the Helsinki summit – Let's hear some tough talk and back it up with some action on Putin. Um, it's a little counterintuitive, but sometimes you got to wrap the Russians on the knuckles a little bit to get them to back off. And we haven't done that.
3: No, we haven't done that uh, at all. And now we're going to answer their re- their demands in writing, which I think is pathetic. Uh, that's, right. uh, all these unreal stuff. lastly, I'm, I'm I guess I'm thinking too small and direct, but I always thought that China would be good until after the Olympics in order to avoid the collapse of the Olympics. But that didn't stop 39 warplanes from breaching taiwan's airspace w- what is the mindset there is that the china you know is that that's not too pragmatic
9: yeah i mean the chinese have been mounting these incursions you know for years and it really it's part of their strategy of trying to win the war without firing a shot they are stressing taiwan's air force uh which has flown you know 3000 sorties in 2020 um and, and and it cost Taiwan a lot of money, up to a billion dollars, reportedly, last year to deal with this. Uh, the United States right now needs to expedite uh, the approval for the F-16 that Taiwan has ordered. We need to provide Taiwan with more assistance, military assistance, um, to make it clear to China. China has the capability to invade Taiwan, uh, but we need to make it clear that it would be prohibitively expensive, that they would spill too much blood and too much treasure to do it. And that's what china's probing right now they're militarizing the south china sea uh and of course they're stealing our intellectual property mounting massive espionage attacks against us and let's not forget they concealed the outbreak and severity of of coronavirus and we're not really standing up to them either um you know and i'll tell you my, my hometown team the boston celtics their star player enos cantor freedom is trying to stand up and be an advocate for human rights. And and we're not doing a good job of that in the NBA, and I don't think we're doing a good job of it in the administration. We just don't hold China accountable using our soft power, like the way President Reagan used to with the Soviet Union.
3: Uh, No kidding. And uh, Ennis Cantor noted that the part owner of Golden State, who made that statement, says below his pay grade to care about the Uyghurs. He doesn't care about them. Uh, They're in concentration camps having their uh, organs harvested, uh, enslaved and converted to a different religion. And... The NBA didn't even come out and condemn him. The, the majority ownership said that he doesn't speak for us. But, I mean, that's unbelievable to you, isn't it?
9: It's It's awful. Look, if the NBA wants to take a stand against racism, which I applaud, then you've got to be consistent and call it out overseas in China, where it exists, too, and not... Um, and not allow China to write our talking points because they provide the NBA with reportedly, I don't know how many billions of dollars, $5 billion. They're not showing my hometown team, the Boston Celtics, in China right now because of Enos Cantor freedom. Well, good on him. He's the conscience of the NBA. I'd like some others to step up in that same way. Uh, It's very hypocritical for the league um, to... And it really damages their message um, of combating racism in our own country if they don't speak out about China. The Chinese are going to buy them, and that's just just not a good look.
3: Last uh, question. Uh, Do you think a week from now we'll be talking about an invasion that took place already? What are the chances? 50-50 this happens now? I mean, I just don't know how long you can keep over 100,000 troops in place.
9: Yeah, I think Putin can keep them there for as long as he desires, and and I could just imagine if I were back in my old job at the CIA, you know, the director of CIA, Leon Panetta used to do this. So did David Petraeus. He'd go around the room and ask us for a percentage. How confident are you that, for example, in this case, Russia will invade? I would say I'm pretty confident that they will uh, do something, whether it's a, it's you know a move in the in the in the Black Sea to control those ports that are so important for Ukraine. Um, economic uh, strength, uh, or whether it's another incursion into eastern Ukraine and the Donbass, coming down off of this to retreat and remove those 100,000 troops without attacking Ukraine and without receiving any movement on those unrealistic demands that Putin made, I just find it awfully hard to imagine that Vladimir Putin would do that right now.
3: Daniel Hoffman, he knows. He used to call Moscow home, uh, his former CIA station, because <laughs> <laughs> uh, he just wanted to get away. It's good to have a summer place there, especially in, in January. Um, there you go. Thanks so much, Dan.
9: Pleasure. Take care.
3: You got it. one 408 7669 When we come back, I will billet you You guys know uh, the name of the show. You'll be the first to know the name of my new Saturday show. It's, it's 8 o'clock Eastern time on Fox News Channel. It's just got confirmed. I'm going to share with you when we come back.
2: Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show.
3: Hey, welcome back, everybody. I told you before that I was going to use this block to announce for the first time ever a show that will probably run for 25 years. Um, What do you think, uh, Eric? uh, Pete, do you think 25 years, you think? Yes. Saturday at uh, 8 o'clock. Well, this show's run for how long? 13? I think with you solo, I believe it's 13. Yeah, so 13 years. Uh, So I've been on 25 years with Fox and Friends. I don't know how much longer I will live, but hopefully this will be on for a long time. 8 o'clock Saturdays. The name of the show will be One Nation. Right. If we were to rehearse that, it probably would have happened before I said it, Uh, Eric. I was thinking trumpets before, but One Nation with Brian Kilmeade. uh, There we go. We start on Saturday. Uh, There you go. Because I want to talk about bringing the country together uh, in creative ways and give context to the biggest stories of the day, not assume that everybody knows uh, what's going on. So One Nation is the name of the show and, of course, this is also a week in which I'm announcing new features of what made America great on Fox Nation. So, all together, we are uh, one country, and hopefully it will begin to take shape. I know we got. I have a promo shoot on Tuesday. We're going to be talking about guests all week. We've got to work on animation. It's exciting because Jesse Waters starts his show this week. And then uh, Lawrence Jones starts at 10 o'clock. Dan Bongino knocks down to 9 o'clock. Uh, and then the show will repeat at 11 o'clock. So that should be great. So, I love the name. It finally got okayed. So, we're okay. So, we're willing. Either that or we lawyered up to take on anybody else who has that name. So, real quick, I'm just going through uh, what Dan Hoffman was saying about our allies and who's on our side and who's not on our side and how tight is NATO. Oh, NATO's great. Yeah, we just met with the German foreign minister. So, Tom Rogan writes this column. We should have him on. And asks Germany, are they a reliable ally? Nine. Nine is a no in German, obviously. And here's the reason. They refuse to supply Ukraine with weapons and is actively preventing Estonia from doing so as well. In recent days, Britain airlifted anti tank weapons to Ukraine and conducted Ukrainian related intelligence gathering flights. But while the intel flights have been transited German- through Germany's airspace, the most direct route between Britain and Ukraine, the weapon flights have been making detours around Germany. Do you believe this? I mean, uh, once again, are we having trouble trusting the Germans? People, we basically watched their back for and rebuilt them in the 40s. We keep all our troops there as a tripwire should anything happen. And now this. Uh, I find it unbelievable uh, that the Germans, you know, you might hear subtlety down. The new government does this. But now they have to find their secretary of Navy or their counterpart, whatever they call that officer, because he made statements over the weekend that Vladimir Putin should, uh, deserves to be respected. And he got such backlash from the world community That he resigned. It's really happening. Unbelievable. Thanks so much for listening to the Brian Kilmeade show. The big news is the name of the show at eight o'clock is called One Nation. I hope you like it and keep it here. Don't move.
2: Fox News Radio Studios in New York City. Fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks
3: so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. one 408 Always appreciate your input. We come to you from New York City, which is overridden with crime. A random act there. Unpredictable crime at that. And a mayor who promised to rein things in, who says, now I'm going to come up with a plan. Take your time. Uh, this hour, we're going to be joined uh, by Jim Gray, uh, one of the finest sportscasters and respected ones in the country. He does a podcast with Tom Brady. I thought I'd ask a question like this. Let me see. I had it right down here. Oh, is Tom Brady going to retire after that incredible comeback that just fell short yesterday uh, against the Rams? And I'll ask him about, I think, some of the most sensational games, well-played games in the history of the NFL. Should set up two perfect games next weekend and then a Super Bowl in Los Angeles in three. So let's get to the big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three.
1: We haven't gotten back to normal. And it's ridiculous at this point. And you will realize, most importantly, that this is going to be remembered by the younger generation as a catastrophic moral crime.
3: Absolutely. But good news is Omicron almost over, just as we predicted. Could it be out? And when it's out, are we done with the mandates? Are we done with the vaccine cure-all? That this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated, the dumb narrative that never added up, and as well as masking in schools. Can we please be through with this? That was Barry Weiss on Bill Maher's liberal talk show who feels exactly like Bill Maher. We're done, we're finished, we're through with this. Number two.
5: We've been very clear that if there is any uh, further uh, Russian Uh, aggression in terms of sending Russian forces uh, into Ukraine, there will be a swift, there will be a severe, and there will be a united response from the United States and Europe.
3: Wow, I'm sure Vladimir Putin's worried. Now he's acting tough, but is it too late? President Biden is looking at stronger measures to deter and avoid a massive invasion of Ukraine, but at the same time evacuating the embassy while telling everybody not to travel there. That upsets the Ukrainians who says it is sending the wrong message. What they are getting is arms from the Baltic nations— but what they're not getting is help from Germany.
13: Number one.
6: I'm going to roll out a real plan this week. Um, we're going to go after the underlying reasons you're seeing crime in our city. Um, this is a sea of crime that's being fed by many rivers. We have to stop the flow of guns. Yeah, we would help if he stopped the flow of guns. Eric Adams, he was supposed
3: to change things. He has not. Now he's coming up with a plan. Over the weekend, two cops were shot. One killed on the spot when the killer, who has been a criminal since 1998, out and about, called. They called His mom called the cops, and then he went and executed these two cops. The other one is playing clean for his life at NYU Langone, and I'm not hearing good things. And once again, we're seeing five cops shot. Five cops have been shot since Eric Adams took over. The captain from the police who say he's going to bring law and order back actually won because of that, got the nomination because of that, but now is saying things to me. Uh, that I don't like. He's talking about guns. Yeah, I know guns are a problem. But the stricter the guns, the gun rules are in New York City, they're stricter than anywhere else, the more out of control it is. So please tell me why you think it's not the overall not backing of the cops, not allowing them to do their job, putting back together the plain clothes unit, putting back together the homeless unit uh, that was disbanded by that idiot former
6: mayor, and why Eric Adams should know better. Cut one. These crimes did not start um, during my administration. They have been here for far too long in many parts of our community. We have to go after those laws uh, that are not realistic on understanding what's happening on the ground. And then we have to deal with the institutional problems. We have failed to educate black and brown children in the city of New York, if not this entire country. And we're put in a new plan in our subway system that's going to increase mental health professionals and at the same time have my law enforcement personnel there deployed properly.
3: Let me ask something. Do you really think a therapist is going to be going down there with cops trying to reason with these crazed, literally crazed homeless people, not down in their luck, but hooked on all types of drugs or just committed to the violent lifestyle or in a subculture, allowed, allowed to take root? In a city that has this thing called winter, why they're even there just shows their mental illness. If you want to get them mental help after they're arrested, go ahead. But I, I don't see many therapists going to seven years of school and then following around an NYPD transit cop down into the basement of hell, which is exactly what it is. Are you kidding? Meanwhile, Kathy Hochul, just as clueless as governor, cut four.
4: Our hearts and prayers are with the families and the members of the NYPD. But also, it's a resounding call to action to say those in Washington who will not heed the call, whether it was the children of Sandy Hook who were slaughtered in their classroom and continue up to this day, we have to do more to fight the scourge of illegal guns on our streets and we need Washington teaming up with us teaming up locals to get it done
3: oh my goodness do you compare
4: that you compare that to
3: Sandy Hook a deranged lunatic uh living in his mom's basement and the mom and dad collect guns he takes a gun and goes and assassinates toddlers as horrific as it gets with this guy a career criminal since 1998 who has never seems to have been locked up for long, even though he's already been convicted on his array of uh, uh, of of, uh, of crimes of attacking a cop. Not only does he shoot him, but he executes them. Who knows what drugs he's on? And you think the guns are the problem? Nuts. I want to just quick pivot over to Ukraine an ongoing international crisis. I do care, and I don't think it matters. If we look the other way, we're going to end up with a bigger war. We've seen this movie before. I am not someone that says, who cares about the Ukraine? I never have. I wish if we cared earlier in 2014, we wouldn't be in the mess we're in right now. But now we're talking about getting, uh, putting troops into these Baltic nations, exactly what Vladimir Putin doesn't want, moving more into Poland, exactly what Vladimir Putin doesn't want putting more lethal weapons into that country, allowing the Baltic states to quickly import over there. Now finding out that Germany's Secretary of Navy said that Vladimir Putin should be respected. So embarrassing is that statement, that he's resigned. And now we find out that if you're bringing arms to Ukraine, you can't go over German airspace. Why? Because of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline? That is absolutely sickening. Absolutely sickening. And our Secretary of State who looks way over his head every time he speaks, David Sanger, on the damage that the president's words said last week showing that he'd tolerate a minor incursion and how it kind of boomeranged and hardened him this week. Cut 13.
8: His statement at the press conference that the U.S. and its allies might not put uh, full sanctions in for a minor incursion led to such a reaction in Ukraine and in Europe that it's actually hardened the government's position, the U.S. government's position now. And you've heard that in recent days, as Secretary Blinken has said, that if even one uh, Russian soldier goes over the border in an aggressive way, that could trigger uh, all of this.
3: That deployment of thousands of additional American troops at NATO's eastern flank—that'll be good. President Biden also considering uh, of combining with allies and putting more troops in the Baltic and Eastern European mentioned uh, nations. As I mentioned, I got to give the UK credit—they are stepping up, speaking out strong, and talking about a possible plot to oust uh, Zelensky and put their own guy in there. So that would be short of an invasion. Next thing you know, they can say it's uh, Russians rising up to change their leadership because they say that Zelensky brought it on the whole time and. It's- That gray area makes you wonder what is the best line of action is worth uh, starting a World War three with. But the U.K. is uncovering that and maybe stopping that. So that I appreciate. Ukraine's defense minister uh, also said that they got more uh, weapons in. He said the second bird is in Kiev. More than 80 tons of weapons to strengthen Ukraine's defensive capabilities uh, from our friends in the U.S.C. This is not the end. That isn't the end. Good job. So, I think it does matter and hope you do too. When we come back, I'm taking a break from this. And I'll talk politics with Brett Baer in 15 minutes. But next, Jim Gray, one of the most respected sport and connected sportscasters in America today, does a podcast weekly with Tom Brady on the electricity and all those games yesterday. And of course, Tom Brady's future. Jim Gray on with us next. This is the Brian Kill Me Show.
2: Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Stafford,
8: deep that field! He's got cup again! 30 yards to win the game. Matt Gay hoots it through! And the rims, by the hair of their skinny teeth
14: Al why up putting it.
3: And there it goes, 30-27, so dramatic. At halftime, it looked like Tampa, nobody was giving up, but it looked like they were just outmatched. And, man, did they come back, down 27-6, tie the game at 27, and then inexplicably gave up two long passes to Cooper Cup, the number one intended target, uh, and send Tom Brady home. Could not Will not be defending his title in Los Angeles. And the Rams have a chance of playing at home. And Los Angeles is exactly where I usually find Jim Gray. Uh, he's the author of Talking to Goats. He's co-host of the podcast Let's Go with Tom Brady, and does just about everything that's important in sports uh, at any given time. Jim, welcome back.
16: Brian, good to be with you. So, that Jim, great you, football weekend—that yeah. was something, wasn't it?
3: I, I, I'm amazed, I and mean, for everything that you've seen, I mean, it's hard to impress a guy like you. But were you impressed with the four games?
16: Holy, how can he not be? I mean, just the effort, determination, uh, display of excellence, and and. In some instances, lack of it, um, it, it at, at a critical moment here or there, but the the all-out effort um, and and just the will and desire um, to to want to be a Super Bowl champion and to to stand on that top step of the victory platform it was it, it was an astonishing display um, by by all eight of those teams really. Um,
3: Absolutely, and we know your podcast every Monday with, uh, with Tom Brady all year long. Extremely successful over in Sirius. And now with Tom Brady uh, marshalling another monster comeback uh, and pulling it off, it looks like we're heading to overtime. It didn't happen. Here's what he said after the game, cut 37.
2: I haven't put a lot of thought into it, so you know, we'll just take it day by day and see, kind of see where we're at. What's
3: the biggest factor
10: for you, Tom, in making that decision going
2: forward? Truthfully, guys, I'm thinking about this game and not thinking about anything past five minutes from now.
3: So he, the question was, uh, are you going to retire? Is that it? He's, he wouldn't commit either way. Do you have thoughts on that, Jim?
16: Well, Tom sets his clock to the Super Bowl. So his clock is, is looking what's going to happen out here in Los Angeles in a few weeks uh, at SoFi Stadium. Uh, so, you know, to ask him a question that he doesn't know and hasn't been thinking about uh, and contemplating uh, isn't a question that he can really answer at this moment. Uh, or at that moment, um, you know, 10 minutes before then, you know, he's thinking about going possibly uh, into overtime and uh, uh, trying to advance to a championship game. Uh, So I'm sure his thoughts were probably uh, only on that. And uh, if he doesn't know, I don't know how any of us would know. And I don't believe that he knows. So anything that I would say would be pure speculation and, uh, Really, wouldn't contribute much to to the conversation because if the person who's involved doesn't know, everything else is just conjecture.
3: All right, so I have a question that maybe Jim Gray might say. This rises to your Mm -hmm. level. You ready for it? How about if I how about if I pose it this way? Would he be more?
16: Show Brian. I know, but Jim, I feel,
3: but you're the you're the you're the best at this, so I feel under pressure. So, so, (laughs) so so Jim, here's the question I would ask: Is he more likely, in your opinion? to have wanted to retire after winning a Super Bowl, after falling short like he did yesterday. What is a more likely scenario?
16: You know, I think that's hard to say, too. If he won another Super Bowl, he'd say, let me try and become the guy, the only guy to ever win three in a row. He's extremely, extremely competitive. He's driven to win. He wants to touch perfection. He has, and he wants to do it again and again. And he proved this season. He led the league in passing, led the league in yards, led the league in touchdowns. He's 44 years old. In my mind, there's no question he's the most valuable player. And to me, it shouldn't have even been a question. Now, he's not going to win the award. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, who had an amazing season, uh, just threw four interceptions, uh, played terrific football during the regular season. He's going to get the award, uh, if you can base it on what happened with the All-Pro team. Uh, I believe the score was of the 50 voters, 34 to 16. Uh, So Brady's going to come up uh, uh, those votes short, because it's basically the same people voting. But Tom Brady's the MVP of this team. I mean, they were down again, twenty-seven to three, with a depleted offensive line. With the with with with, with Wirfs, who is the best offensive lineman, all-pro lineman, he's out. Uh, Jensen, the center, uh, you know, is just hobbled on every play. Wells, the, the replacement, he's out hurt. Uh, Antonio Brown quits in the middle of you know three or four weeks ago, uh, inexplicably. Um, and uh and 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 so that's gone godwin his top receiver uh, gets hurt uh four or five weeks ago he's gone um it was just and, and then you have the the running backs are out um rojo it, it was it, it was just it was just literally an effort by tom and his teammates that, that was you know spectacular to even come back and, and be in that game albeit the rams made tremendous mistakes they did um you know that are that, you know the got to be scratching their heads this morning sure they're elated and now they get to play at home for a chance to play uh for the super bowl against the 49ers and then stay at home uh so their path is is pretty incredible if if they can if they can uh, walk it and achieve it right but uh if you take away the mistakes and you can't take them away because that's what opened the door the acres fumble the bad snap stafford so on and so forth um you're sitting 40 something seconds away from being in overtime, and then it's a coin flip, just like we saw in the Buffalo game. It's a coin flip.
3: Speaking of the Buffalo game, here's the last play as it sounded as the Chiefs beat the Bills uh, stunningly 42 to 36.
10: 49 yards to send it to overtime. <clears throat> Harrison Butker. <clears throat> I'm so nervous. So are hundreds of thousands around the planet. The kick is good. It's going to overtime.
15: Mahomes has hit his last
16: eight.
15: Looking to the end
13: zone for the win, he caught it. Ball game, Chiefs to the championship.
3: And if you uh, and with uh, the overtime rules right now, you get a touchdown, it's over. A field goal, you get the other team gets a shot. But the Bills fans are saying, "Wait a second, this isn't fair. We lost the coin flip, and then we lose the game." But that, those are the rules, Jim. Right?
16: Yeah, that's the rules, and and and. You know, as disappointed as he was and as great as he played, Josh Allen said it best after the game. You know, we can't complain about the rules because had we been on the winning side, we would have been celebrating, too. And that just says it best. We would have been celebrating, too. They wouldn't have been complaining and saying, well, you know, the Chiefs should have had a chance. Uh, So. You know, it's really interesting. A lot of folks this morning, and we live in a time where everything's the best and the greatest, are saying this is, you know, perhaps the best game that's ever been played, and it's interesting. Uh, I remember the game that that took place back in Christmas in in 1971, uh, a game that lasted 82 minutes, a little over 82 minutes, uh, when the Chiefs beat the Miami Dolphins. It was uh, the AFC Divisional Playoff game, uh, uh, 27-24, I believe was the score back then. And uh, that was just an incredible game, and so now the Chiefs, uh, having uh, known what it was like right. all those years ago, whatever that is, fifty-one years ago, to have been on the uh, opposite end of that loss, and now uh, to have that happen for them in a victory, is um, you know, that Don Shula coach team uh, uh, all the way back then, and, and uh, Hank Stram and so forth. But that was just uh, uh, that was just an incredible game that we're going to talk about forever going to be second-guessed about McDermott, not squib-kicking the ball, taking time off the clock. It's going to be second-guessed about Leslie Frazier and McDermott. Uh, What were they doing? How can you possibly let a guy go down 13 seconds? But hail to the Chiefs. They're moving on.
3: (laughs) Jim Gray, thanks so much. Thanks for putting it all in perspective. Are you doing Let's Go this week? Pardon? You doing Let's Go this week?
16: Let's go. Today, we'll be on at 6 o'clock Eastern. Tom Brady and Larry Fitzgerald. Let's. He's so busy, he'll make
2: your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade.
7: What's also important is the message of deterrence. We need joint exercises in Poland, the Baltic states, Romania, Bulgaria, to show Putin that we're serious. Right now, he doesn't see we're serious, and that's why the buildup is taking place. I think this all started, Margaret, with Afghanistan and the unconditional surrender to the Taliban. When he saw weakness, weakness invites aggression. We saw that with Chamberlain and Hitler.
3: Uh, that was Michael McCall, uh, ranking member on the Foreign Relations Committee, and he's very concerned about what's happening in uh, Ukraine. I don't know anybody else that is not. Some people think we should not even be there. Why are we doing that? No one cares about the Ukraine. I feel differently. Brett Baer is chief political anchor for Fox News, anchor of Special Report with Brett Weir, uh, Brett Baer, uh, author of To Rescue the Republic. His all-star panel in Naples is coming up. It's February 19th. Uh, all proceeds benefit the Children's National Hospital uh, and sadly, it's uh, for the rest of the country, it's sold out. But, Brett, welcome. Hey, Brian.
13: Congrats good. on the new show, by the way.
3: Thanks. You you want to know the name? It just came across. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we're going to name a special report. No, I'm only kidding. It's to, and we're going to sue <laughs> you. Brian Kilmeade? Yes, if you don't mind. Uh, it's going to be One Nation with Brian Kilmeade. Nice. Right. Oh, you're not against it, are you? I
13: look forward to it.
3: Oh, okay, good. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, all right, so now uh, I just hope your wife doesn't mind you're going to be staying in until 9 o'clock on, fr- on Saturdays.
13: <laughs> Does she know? I don't think she knows yet.
3: All right, I'll tell her.
13: But uh, I'm happy to be on any time.
3: Okay, good. Uh, so, Brett, a couple of things. Uh, it just seems when you have 100,000 troops at a border for weeks on end and you don't really back up, you just add to that, it seems like a invasion's imminent. Did you hear anything over the weekend that would make you feel differently?
13: No, and I think the movements that you're starting to see from the State Department and others uh, getting um, U.S. government officials and their families out uh, suggests uh, that they truly believe something's going to happen very quickly. Um, However they they said on the state department call given that the president has said military action by russia could come at any time the us government will not be in a position to evacuate us citizens so us citizens currently present in ukraine should plan accordingly arrange commercial flights this sounds really similar similar to where we were um, in afghanistan and you know it's, it's amazing right you would yeah, think i mean we just went through this can't we figure out, you know, how, what the process is uh, if it push comes to shove?
3: Yeah, um, we'll see where we're at right now. But I think, the, you know, what's kind of interesting is uh, is I heard speculated from David Sanger, and I'll, I'll share with you, over the weekend, the president's gaffe saying a minor incursion, probably no big deal, and then walking it back the next day resulted in this. Here's David Sanger of the New York Times, 13.
8: His statement at the press conference that the U.S and its allies might not put uh, full sanctions in for a minor incursion led to such a reaction in Ukraine and in Europe that it's actually hardened the government's position, the U.S. government's position now. And you've heard that in recent days, as Secretary Blinken has said, that if even one uh, Russian soldier goes over the border in an aggressive way, that could trigger uh, all of this.
3: So he, by making the mistake and showing tolerance, he's now boxed in to not.
13: Yeah, which is really amazing if you think about it. I mean, just his answers and then the cleanup immediately following that, they had to overdo the cleanup. So, you know, he could have just stayed 30,000 feet with that answer. And he didn't have to go into specifics, but once he said, well, if it's just a small incursion, a minor incursion, and maybe we'll just dial back the sanctions, Um, you know, Russia said, okay, thanks. You know, I mean, they've already been in. They took Crimea after uh, President Obama said, you know, this is not going to happen. Next thing you know, they had a different passport in Crimea.
3: Yeah, they built a bridge, and they now have a resort, and the Russians are sunning themselves So in the Wall Street Journal today, Tom Rogan has an editorial uh, talking about Germany. And not only is Germany's Secretary of Navy or their counterpart, whatever they call them, had to resign over the weekend by saying Vladimir Putin deserves to be respected. Now we find out that not only is Berlin not helping, they refuse to supply Ukraine with weapons. They refuse. They are preventing Estonia from providing Ukraine with weapons. And Britain, if they want to bring weapons into Ukraine, has to fly around Germany.
13: Uh, is that unbelievable to you? It is, if you consider the fact that, you know, the concern has been w- energy and Russia and what's happening with that pipeline, uh, and you know, Germany has been a, a tight ally of ours, but this seems to be like they're just siding with the Russian side of things.
3: Uh, Nord Stream Two pipeline. When asked about it, the foreign minister said, "Well, it's no sense talking about sanctioning something; it's not online yet. Obviously, dancing around the fact that we could prevent that from coming online. We could make them a massive offer for uh, LNG that might be comparable to that. And I believe you could label us an ally. It's it's amazing what's going on. I can't give you the inside story on German politics, but I'm not liking it."
13: I agree. And it seems like it's going um, a different way as far as who they're siding with. But you know what? This is happening around the world as people are, uh, countries are coming to grips with whether the U.S. is going to have their back in tough times. I think, you know, a lot of analysts point back to Afghanistan and say, you know, look what happened here. Will the US have your back? You know, Taiwan has to be thinking that too as China flies thirty nine fighter jets um, into its airspace this weekend.
3: Uh Brett our guest getting sent to host a special report in a few hours. So the other big story that's gonna just heat up the closer we get is China and not making any bones about it, the, you are not allowed to speak out or sound off. The IOC, USOC, and China will come down on you if you spy to show any political bent, give any interviews, or do anything on the podium uh, in the Winter Games. We know they had 39 warplane overfights over Taiwan uh, over the weekend. So they are very transparently being aggressive and oppressive. Here's what Bob Costas, who hosted, I think, 12 Olympics, said about that. Cut 33.
15: We should preface this by saying no one could have anticipated COVID, no matter what the venue is. But the IOC deserves all of the disdain and disgust that comes their way for going back to China yet again. They were in Beijing in 2008. They go to Sochi in 2014. They're shameless about this stuff. Mm. And so this takes place not only amid COVID, as did the Tokyo Games uh, of a year ago, but the, the restrictions on press freedom... And the sense that everyone there is being monitored in some way. We had that feeling in 2008 in Beijing. I think, if anything, it's been ramped up now.
3: So, I mean, there's a guy, he's not associated with NBC anymore, but they're not sending any reporters or anchors or broadcasters, which means I don't know if we're going to get that expose about the Uyghurs. Do you?
13: Yeah, I doubt it. Uh, I don't think that that's coming down the pike, and listen, um, he's right. I mean, by choosing those countries as venues, uh, you bring with it everything that they, they have going on, including persecution, including um, really some human rights uh, abuses that, that no one is, is talking about except uh, you know our channel and a few others.
3: Yeah, here's Ennis Freedom on this, as well as – do you know this, Brett – there has been no rebuke of that owner of Golden State for making that statement, the Wiggers are below my uh, what I care about, nobody cares about the Wiggers. All he said was he walked back the next day and the Golden State Warriors say he doesn't speak for us. But where's the rebuke from the NBA itself? Here's Ennis Freedom yesterday, cut 32 with Maria.
7: They are going to bring a burner phone, laptop, iPad, because they know that, uh, that there is a high percent chance that China is going to uh, tap into that. And I believe that, right. you know, the China, the government told them to you, you got they have to download some kind of app that which is very suspicious that i don't think that anyone wants to do it and the other thing is you know obviously they work so hard to get to that point they all un- understand it but do they really want to take that risk i mean i call it the genocide games do they really want to participate in games like that. So I feel like, you know, yeah. they need to think that twice about go, going to a country like China.
3: So do, how big does this story get, Brett? I mean, no, we, we don't really get fixated on the Winter Games, especially without carrying them. But how what do you think it's going to be like in 10 days?
13: Yeah, I think that there are going to be so many different storylines uh, that – I think it's going to – NBC is going to have to mention some of this, even though they're in the backyard. Uh, I think other channels are definitely going to cover it because it will be a controversy, let alone the fact that Russia, the last time it went into to Ukraine, uh, it was at the end of the Olympics in Sochi. Uh, this time they conveniently have this exercise with Belarus, which is on another side of the border there that comes to the end on the last day of the Olympics. So, you know, there's a lot of looking at that as uh, maybe a signal that something happens then. Did
3: you watch football? Did you watch football over the weekend?
13: Oh, my gosh. It was like football-rama.
3: So if there was one play, if you want to hear the final play of any of the games, which game would you
13: choose? Uh, probably Bills-Kansas City. Okay, go ahead, Eric.
10: 49 yards to send it to overtime. Harrison Butcher, I'm so nervous, so hundreds
15: of thousands around the planet, the kick is good, it's
16: going to overtime, and Mahomes has hit his last eight, looking to the end zone, for the win,
13: he caught it, ball game, Chiefs. To the
3: championship and I know Jim Nance is your friend, but between him yeah. and Al Michaels, I mean, who better to bring these games home?
13: I texted with him. I said, man, what a call. He's like, you wouldn't believe it. It was just going back and forth. He, uh, I mean, the Bills played so well to get back in that game. And then uh, to see 13 seconds to go down the field and kick that tie, and then holy cow. I do think that the controversy about overtime rules and having the other team have a chance is real. You know, It seemed like after all of that, after they both played so well, that they needed the bills needed another shot
3: all right that's something to think about we'll work on that i'll put my best person on it i will say that i guarantee the bill's are gonna win super bowl as long as josh allen stays somewhat healthy and tyree Hill so out running probably one of the uh, five of the fastest defensive backs in the league and then waving to the last one as he went oh. the end zone oh he um, had such a different gear it's like he put it in i a know different gear i mean they're already the fastest around and he's faster uh, and oh. running across the field is amazing. All right, Brett. I will see you face to face in a couple of weeks. But good luck yeah. tonight at the All Star we'll panel. Again. Okay, thank you. Uh, when we come back, uh, I'm going to we'll find out if there's more to know. And at the top of the hour, I'm going to give you an idea of. Uh, I'm going to go out and outnumbered. I've just decided to do that. Also, uh, the big news, of course, that everybody's talking about. I'm sure in other shows, too. We have a name for the brand-new Saturday show. It is called One Nation with Brian Kilmeade. It'll start at 8 o'clock, and if it's good, we'll repeat it again at 11, and I'll be wearing the same exact outfit. That's all I can reveal. Also, a special urgency to get the President and Freedom Fighter. I went into the Barnes & Noble by my house where I can get them personalized. Where you guys are still ordering them. I'm more than happy to personalize for them, especially you got Valentine's Day coming up. Nothing romantic than getting somebody a nonfiction book. Uh, that you find special Especially uh, the President of Freedom Fighter Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass In the battle uh, to save America's soul So that would be great So we'll do that When we come back on. Uh, we'll find out on More to Know How you can opt out a Valentine's Day Or any holiday Also after that We're going to lead on Outnumbered with crime Also I'll preview my latest two Editions of What Made America Great Revolving around immigration And policing Teddy Roosevelt Nellis Island
2: The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmead. Hi,
3: everyone. Welcome back. I'm going to be on Outnumbered at the top of the hour in a matter of minutes. But first things first, I was about to leave before I realized you need to know more. More
2: to know.
3: Opting out of Valentine's Day. A growing number of brands are giving customers the chance to opt out of the marketing emails ahead of Valentine's Day and other holidays etsy lets people opt out the feature was created in 2021 etsy tells axios parachute the betting and home goods company has the same opt-out feature on mother's day in 2019 the british florist bloom and wild gave their customers the ability to opt out uh the big picture when brands do this they appear empathetic not bad because i guess sometimes people feel bad they're alone on christmas they're alone on valentine's day so more than 150 brands have joined bloom and Wild's and
0: thoughtful marketing movement Whoever thought marketing would be thoughtful? I thought they should be cutthroat. Yeah, and well, now if we can only get these people to be more thoughtful on stopping the phone calls, because I signed up for that do not call list. It doesn't matter. You still oh yeah. get these. Calls. They're done with it's, that. You could play whack a mole and hit to, to block them. They call from another number.
3: New Zealand uh, postponed. We can move on. New Zealand's prime minister postponed her wedding after announcing new COVID nineteen restrictions. They are so out of control over there. Jacinda Ardern is postponing a wedding after announcing. They're going to crack down again. The so-called red setting of the country's pandemic response includes heightened measures such as requiring mask wearing and limits on gatherings. Ardurne stressed stress red is not locked down. Our plan is for managing Omicron cases in the early stages remains the same as Delta, where we will uh, rapidly test, contact, trace and do everything. The 41-year-old prime minister was planning to tie the knot next weekend. So she's postponing, unlike Boris Johnson,
0: who has secret parties anyway and is not getting married and actually almost died from the virus. And, you know, of course, he gets caught and then he changes. But here's my question. If red is not a lockdown and and she says that businesses can still remain open and people can freely visit their friends and family, then what's the point?
3: I have no idea. I'm not going to New Zealand. (laughs) Next, New Jersey. Uh, They have a toddler buys over uh, $1,700 worth of goods online. The kid, his name is Ayesh Kumar of New Jersey. He's 22 months old. He already knows how to handle a cell phone and, even more hilariously, to supply his family with more furniture than they'll ever need. His mom's device, the little one, began clicking away on a mom's phone, recently ordering more than $1,700 worth of furniture uh, from an online cart she'd begun on a Walmart account. Uh, he found the cart icon, and soon, uh, soon an array of packages began arriving at the house. The dad says we are not sure whether we return most of the items as they are shipped and sold by third-party Walmart vendors.
0: This is crazy. You have to see the photograph of the they put they they took a they took photograph a lot of the, of the kid lot of stuff. standing on you know sitting and on the, top of these massive boxes.
3: This is why a lot of people don't have children. I'm thinking this is the main reason. Yeah, because
6: they they're going to order stuff. Next,
3: Sarah Palin to face off against the New York Times in a defamation trial, uh, the center of a 2008, uh, the 2008 her presidential nomination. The suit was filed in 2017. Uh, An editorial incorrectly linked Palin to the 2011 mass shooting in Arizona, where six people were killed. The editorial falsely stated, as a matter of fact, to millions of people that Mrs. Palin incited Jared Loughner's January 8th rampage. The Times has since since corrected the editorial.
0: But she wants money. This is going to be fascinating. This is this is going to be a it's going to be a landmark case one way or the other. No matter how it's ruled, it's going to change uh, a lot
3: next half empty united airlines flight from newark to tel aviv returns get this after 90 minutes when two economy passengers self-upgraded to business class and refused to leave uh sparking a riot so the half-empty plane had not reached the canadian border yet when the unidentified israeli nationals upgraded themselves fellow passengers whatever his name is says a riot started when the duo refused to comply with the flight attendants directive the fight was half empty, and there was no, and there was room. So they probably just said to themselves, "Why not?" The ruckus prompted the pilots to turn back. Do you uh, ever
0: upgrade yourself, whether it's beyond an airline at a at a ball game? Oh, at a ball game, absolutely. Yeah, Well, you get in trouble right there. That's it. Yeah, but they to tell you, turn you know, the plane tell you to go around. back, and then you go, then you go back to your regular seat.
3: Next, uh, we don't have any time for next. What a shame! It was great. I love Mortonell, almost too much. Hey, thanks so much for listening. Keep in mind, the name of the new show Saturday, which is going to change your party habits, is One Nation with Brian Kilmeade, and hopefully you'll be there. Meanwhile, I'll see you at the top of the hour on one show called Outnumbered. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Keep it here.